0: the attention to be on you so god we just ask that you would come this morning and that you'd meet us here in this building and and out in the homes with people who are watching online god meet us where we're at bring to clarity the things that you want us to see god we want so much to know who you are and to love you better god we want so much to be able to respond in the ways that you want us to respond God, we love you, and we pray these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning, I'm, uh, I was given the opportunity to speak, and instantly Logan said, hey, you can take my notes. And so you, you see the screen here, and week four is the angel song. What's, what's funny is, is I have not been paying attention, and I didn't know that this was actually the message for this week. Uh, Logan said, here, you can take my notes. And I said, I don't want to do that. That's not my voice. I didn't study that. Um, It just wouldn't feel right to just read your notes. And so I'm going to do my own thing. Now, here's a little sermonette. If you ever are called to give a sermon last minute, here's what I would recommend. I would recommend talking about something that you recently studied or is on your heart and mind. Because it's something you're already kind of marinating in. Your, Your brain's thinking about that. Or if you know the group of people that you're talking to, something that might be relevant or uh, pertinent for them to be thinking about. And so in those two things, I just recently spoke to the youth about this uh, today and also Christmas. This is our last Sunday together before Christmas. And I thought, okay, something Christmassy and something that I just recently studied. And so I wanted to talk about the shepherds, the shepherd's role in the story. And that's where we're going to be today in Luke 2. What's funny is that when I came in last night to try and load slides, which failed horribly, um, I only have one, one slide, basically, and I looked at Logan's notes, and, uh, and I, that's when I realized that, like, oh, it's the angel's song, which is hidden in this passage right here, and uh, I don't think that's a coincidence. I had completely set aside the idea of, uh, no, I don't want to talk about what you were going to talk about, and then the Lord prepared in my heart and mind to talk about what Logan was going to talk about. So here we go. Uh, I want to do something just a little bit different. And so if you feel comfortable, I would like you to stand as I read Scripture. And I just do this occasionally because um, it reminds me of our respect and love for God's Word. If you are not comfortable standing, that's fine. But I'm just going to read this passage. And I'm going to read it from a slightly different translation. This is the Christian Standard Bible. And I want to read that because that's what I'm going to be teaching out of today. But it's because it's what I had at the house when I was told I was going to be teaching. And because it's slightly different. It's a great translation, but it's slightly different. And so maybe it'll catch you fresh this morning. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days a decree went out, from Caesar Augustus, that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Corinius was governor governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And then she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the city of David, a Savior is born to you, who is Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, laying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people, to the people that he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, what the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and baby, who was lying in a manger. After seeing them, they reported this message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. Mary was treasuring up these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which they had just been told. Amen. You may be seated. So a couple of things, as we see in the beginning of this, this chapter here, I'm actually not going to talk about the first part, even though as I dove in, you know, the, the goal when you're speaking is to just be able to give 10% of, you, of what you've studied, and since I was given about a day, that's not a lot. Um, So I'm not going to talk about the first part, which is really interesting, and and so that's the the political climate. We see some of what was going on politically, and we understand that. We've got political frustrations in our own day, and we understand there's just stuff that's going on. The government says this is what's best for the people, and so that's what we do, right? And so we see a little bit of the, the political thing going on here. Um, and then we see a, a setup. Joseph is responding. And another thing that's really interesting that maybe you can talk about at lunch or just text Logan because he's not doing anything. Um, ask whose family line are we actually studying here? Because Jesus is the son of God. And so if, if he's not actually Joseph's son, can the Messiah come from Joseph's family? Or are we actually studying Mary's family line? It's an interesting question. Text him that right now, and he's not doing anything. Okay, so we're not going to be talking about that, but we're going to jump into the shepherds. In verse 8, the same region, the shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock. What's amazing to me is, is we see this story about Jesus. And we know from our context, because we're looking from the future back to this time, we see with clarity what's going on here. But let's just pause for a second, and let's pretend that we're in this scenario. The Jewish nation had been immersed in a culture that was looking for the Messiah, the one who would come and save them, right? And so we see this picture back up in verse 7 of Mary is giving birth to Jesus, and we get excited, all right. Here it comes. And then the story cuts and jumps out to a field somewhere with some shepherds. Wait, what? It's confusing in the story why we jump from what seems to be the central idea of Jesus is finally here, the Messiah is finally here. And we just get the words... She wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger. And then the story jumps to some shepherds in a field. What's going on? It doesn't make sense. And that's a bit our logic is we think if God is going to show up in the world, we think, well, God's got all the resources and he's got all the power, and so he's going to show up in this really grand, really awesome, just overwhelming, wow, God, that is so cool. But again, we look back through history and we see, you know, if we look at all of the Bible, we start to recognize that a lot of what God has done throughout time is a bit unexpected. From our standpoint, we think grand, we think big, we think obvious, yeah, power. But this isn't. How Jesus shows up. And within this story, we jump from the obvious focus on Jesus to some shepherds. Now, shepherds were not thought of as kingly people. They were not respected. It wouldn't have been the first choice for people. They were considered unclean. You know, a lot of their culture was built around the idea of at least laws and rules that made you look presentable and clean on the outside, but their job led them to do a lot of things that would make them unclean, and so people would distance themselves from, from these people. There, there was a bit of a tradition, uh, not a tradition, but a, an idea that, that shepherds were not really somebody that you could trust, and... This is a weird jump in the story for us to look at some shepherds out in a field. It makes me wonder why. Why did the story jump to shepherds here, straight from Jesus showing up to shepherds? And as we look through this time, I think what we're seeing is that all throughout the story that God has been telling throughout time, especially. Focused in the life of Jesus, we see that he constantly was showing love for all people everywhere. When people wouldn't associate with the unclean, he would. When people wouldn't get together with the sick, he he would meet with them. He would heal them. In their culture where people didn't respect women, he respected and loved women and children. People who were foreigners. Anybody who was unrespected or unloved, Jesus spent time with. And so we get an idea that Jesus is for all people everywhere. And the shepherds get to highlight the first, once Jesus shows up, that Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is for all. Verse 9, the angel of the Lord stood before them. Now the word here, uh, stood before them, it, it, it's not the suddenly, it's, it's showed up. And we see this a lot of, a lot of different passages where they just appeared. Um, it, it's, not, it's not really clear if they, they walked in or just like they showed up right in front of them. But there's a little bit of a different word that shows up when the rest of the angels show up. So an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, we've talked about this before. Logan is, is highlighted that we know in, in the order of created beings, there's, there's humans down here. Angels are actually more powerful and a higher created being than we are. And then, of course, there's God. And so if we were just to be in the presence of an angel or a demon, they are more powerful than us. And so the natural response would be fear. You should be afraid. They are more powerful. But what is highlighted here is that the glory of the Lord shone around them. Not only are the angels more powerful than us and worthy of being afraid, but the observation is that God's glory radiated around them. We see it just a a chapter back. Zechariah, the angel shows up. And the instant response to the glory of the Lord shining around the angel is fear. Now, I'm not going to keep going on that because Logan talked about that last week. But if you ever find yourself in the presence of an angel, it's okay. You can be afraid. You probably should be a little afraid. But you should also take note at the response because I don't know that this happens every time without fail. But what we see here consistently in this book is that the angels are quick to say, Do not fear. Even though it's okay for you to fear, and you probably should fear a little bit, as Paul was saying, the response is, I'm not going to crush you. I'm not going to kill you. Don't worry. But they're quick to point attention to God. This must have been incredible. But I love that the response that we see here is the, we see the response, the shepherds are terrified. (laughs) Of course they are can you imagine it's hard for us to put ourselves in that scenario I mean we we see this and we kind of think about it in our head but to really understand what it must be like to be in the presence of an angel I think it's the sort of thing where the systems that are built into us like fight or flight we don't think about those things they just they just happen Like, we go into system override. Our bodies respond to a certain sort of thing. And I think if an angel were to just show up right here, please don't. If an angel shows up right here, right now, I think you just automatically fall. I think you automatically go, that's not right, ah! And the shepherds are terrified. And the angel says to them, don't be afraid. I proclaim to you good news. We know that another fancy word for good news is gospel. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now here in a minute, we see the other angels say something, and there's a specific blessing, and it says for a specific people. But this statement is, there is a joy for all people. And I suggest that when the angel is saying that Jesus is born, this is a benefit for all people everywhere. Regardless of your relationship with Jesus, whether you know him or don't, the whole world is better for Jesus coming into the world. There'll be a great joy for all people. Today, in the city of David, that's important because there was a lot of Messianic and prophetic words that said the Messiah has to come from the line of David. The city of David, from the people of David, today a Savior is born for you. He is the Messiah. Now I I, I said good news. The angel said good news. And we know that's the gospel. And I just want to talk for a second about that because Because this culture was so looking for the Messiah, they had this idea that that as they looked through all of these passages that talked about the Messiah, they had this idea that someday this conqueror was going to come, this king, somebody who was going to put all the systems back into order. And so their culture really had this idea of a longing for, as a people who had been beaten down and separated and a little bit underfoot, they were really wanting this king. But we know that Jesus the Messiah is also the suffering servant, the sacrificial lamb. I don't think at this time these shepherds had that in mind. I think they were thinking the king is finally here. We're going to kick the Romans to the curb. We're going we're to be back on top. It's going to be great. Well, this is true of the Messiah, but there is a context that we have to see. You know how uh, we talk about worldview? Basically, people have glasses. And these ideas, the way that they think, this is how we see the world. And so when we say Savior, we know that Jesus saves from sin. And he has conquered sin. And he is king of this world and above. And so we are right to say Jesus is Savior. He is king they were thinking in a slightly accurate but slightly different context. They wanted a physical king. <laughs> the full gospel is not just that Jesus was born, but that he died for our sins. That is what we are saved from. Not from political climates, not from the stuff that bothers us today, but from... The punishment of sin for all of eternity. And the full gospel is not just that he was born and that he died, but that he rose again and showed power over the ultimate, which is death. When the angel says, I share with you good news, the Savior is born, I don't have any doubt that the angels had full clarity of what the full gospel was. I'm just not sure that the shepherds knew what the full gospel was. And I say this because as we look forward and we see Jesus' ministry, even his own disciples were constantly confused as he would say, I'm the Messiah, or they would say, You're the Messiah. They seemed to be constantly confused because he wasn't taking power. He seemed to keep withdrawing from the crowds, not moving into position and becoming the king that they were expecting. I think there's some confusion as to what the Messiah really wants. Verse 12. So this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth laying in a manger. What's interesting here is the angels don't give them a charge. Go see Jesus. It's assumed affirmative Because, obviously, you're going to go and see Jesus. Here's how you're going to find him. I love this. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger. I wonder how many, uh, I don't know how far away from town they were, you know, where the field was in proximity to, to Bethlehem, how long it would have taken, how many babies were there. But apparently this is enough data for them to find. Okay, baby lying in a manger, got it. Uh, we do know that this was not that odd. It, was not, uh, it wasn't something that would be strange to find a baby wrapped in cloth. In fact, we still do this today. We wrap newborn babies in blankets, and we wrap them up really, really tight. It's a bit protection from the outside. It's a bit comfort for them on the inside. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was customary for the time to have strips of cloth, and you would swaddle the baby up. And I can't really tell you how odd it would have been for a baby to be lying in a manger. It seems like maybe an ideal place to put a baby. You know, we have cribs, um, but we do know part of the other story is their circumstance. There's some ideas, maybe they were in a barn, maybe they were in a cave. That's the historical perspective. Um, the word is actually an additional, uh, additional room uh, for lodging. So it could have been a part of a house. It wouldn't have been odd for animals to be in a house. Um, It is actually the same word used for the upper room where the disciples met. It's just an additional room. But we know that they are there, and the baby's there, and so they go. Now, verse 13, suddenly, suddenly is the word unexpected. Suddenly, there's a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel. Some of the other passages were the word suddenly or unexpectedly. In Malachi 3.1, when the Lord filled the temple, suddenly. The Holy Spirit in Acts 2.2, 2, suddenly the Holy Spirit appeared. The Lord showed up to Saul in Acts 9.3, suddenly, unexpectedly. We have some, those are, that's not exhaustive, but there's some very powerful imagery here of when God shows up unexpectedly, suddenly, there's a, there's a pay attention moment here. And certainly we see, because this is a major piece of the gospel, Jesus showing up, the angels respond in a way that we don't really see anywhere else in Scripture. They show up in force a multitude. I can't tell you how many that is, but I think it's a lot. And if the instant response to just one angel is to fall down in fear, what is the response to a multitude of heavenly hosts? And what is the response when this group of people says, start, and they start praying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth, earth, to people he favors. These angels are either created warriors or created for worship. In either case, there's not sin in, these, in this creation. And so they're doing exactly what God created them to do. There's no blemish. They do it perfectly. So whether they're warriors or worship leaders, when they sing here in multitude, can you imagine? <laughs> These shepherds out in their field with their sheep, maybe feeling the separation from anxiety, feeling overlooked, feeling a bit underfoot. What am I doing? And a multitude of angels show up and worship. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people that he favors. The last part of that, I don't know how to break that down. Peace on earth to the people he favors. Where the first passage talked about Jesus was a joy to all people everywhere. This says peace on earth to the people that he favors. And I think the shortest way to say that is our God is a good shepherd and he knows his sheep by name. When the angels had left and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see that which the Lord has made known to us. Two things. Number one, they didn't go back to their work. They didn't shrug it off. Well, that was weird. They go. They've got to go. We were just told this. We've, we've got to go check this out. We've got to respond. Number two, the response is not, Let's go check out what the angels told us, but, but what the Lord has told us. We've already highlighted how powerful it must have been to be in the presence of an angel. And yet, the message of what God was doing was more powerful than that. The Messiah is here. And so they respond. So they go to Bethlehem. They hurried off. They found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Now, after seeing them, they responded. Verse 17, They reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed. Interesting little side note here in verse 19. I I would love to know more about this. But... Mary treasured up these things in her heart and was meditating on them. Now, I've always thought that that she was thinking introspectively about Jesus. Who would know better about the weirdness of this situation truly than Mary? because of what was going on in her own body. Now, certainly Joseph was very close to that and how he responded and how we think he responded and choosing to to trust that this story was right and that that this is what God was doing. But Mary had a, a different kind of knowledge, right? Whereas Joseph may have had a tiny question mark, I don't know. Mary knew the full truth of the baby that was inside of her. And I've always thought that she was just thinking, God, this is so weird. (laughs) But here he is. But in studying this, I have new insight. Because of the way that this story is told here and we make the jump from the baby being born, we could have gone straight to Mary considered these things, but we we jump out to the field with the shepherds. And so I think that what Mary is thinking about here and meditating on is that God just told a bunch of shepherds the first proclamation that the Messiah is here, not to Caesar or Corinius, not the high officials, not the powerful, not even the religious elite of the area. This message was given to the common person, the shepherds. And I think she's thinking, This is unexpected. And shepherds respond. They returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard. Of course they did. Today we have an opportunity to do a a couple of things. One of the things is historically we don't actually know when Christmas is. There's tradition. It was established really long after Jesus was born, to be back in December. You've, you've, you've probably heard this before. That It was a bit of a church's response to say, hey, let's take over this, this pagan holiday. Let's draw attention to Jesus and take over that. Um, the pagan holiday was Invictus Sol, which is the unconquered sun, S-U-N. Tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor because the focus now of Christmas is the unconquered son, S-O-N, <laughs> taking away attention from what was going on at the time. But that's, that's, the, that's the distant past. The shepherds who were in the field if, according to Frank Gabillion, if shepherds were in the field in December, they would have been raising lambs for Passover. So we don't really know if this is the case, but if shepherds were out there, I think it'd be interesting. I think Scripture would tell us if if that were to be the obvious point. But it's possible that the raising of these lambs would have been for Passover. And I think it's interesting that if they were raising lambs for Passover, we see Jesus, the ultimate spotless lamb, coming into the world at this time. To a group of people who were focused on spotless lambs. In a minute, we're going to celebrate communion together, which really is a, a reminder for us of Passover, which is that there was a spotless lamb provided. We know that Passover was you'd take a lamb, you'd sacrifice it, it was, it was pure, it was spotless, and you'd take the blood and you'd put it on the door and, and God would pass over that, has, that household as a, you have been taken cared for, you've been paid for, and so I pass over As Christians, we see that spotless lamb as Jesus, the full Messiah, not just the conquering king, but the suffering servant, the pure and spotless lamb. Before we do that, I have a short little video that I'd like us to watch. Now this, I want to be clear, especially if you're watching online. Uh, We've been given permission to, to play this video, but if you're not with us right now, if you're watching this after this morning service, we're just going to put a link for you to check it for copyright reasons. But uh, we're going to watch this little video and help us set our hearts for both communion and Christmas. Let's check this out.
1: day today isn't it But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up unto the time when she who is in labor has given birth, and he shall be their peace. A reading from the scroll of the prophet Micah. Perfect. No, no blemish, nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong. <laughs> See? Mm. Spotless. Good. No blemish. This one's good.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Teacher, I have a question about the Messiah. I've studied Torah every day
1: a and... A shepherd wants to learn.
2: Yes. Do you believe the Messiah will set us free from the Occupation?
1: Yes. He will make a great military leader.
2: Are you sure? Just because last Shabbat the priest read from Prophet Ezekiel and he did not say... How dare
1: you? I'm sorry, teacher. He is obsessed. He brought this animal? I said spotless. Spotless? Yes. These are for righteous men. For the perfect sacrifice. Very sorry. Very sorry. Very sorry. You wonder why the messiah hasn't come? People like you keeping him away with your stains. If you come back here without a perfect lamb, I will banish you all from the marketplace. Now, come, come. I warned you about this. Are you deaf as well as lame? I'm sorry. We are not slowing down for you. You take this rank back up to the hill and try and keep up.
2: Or find your own way back.
1: people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divided the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of you his need to go. oppressor you want to listen No, this is a holy place
2: please you are
1: filthy go for every boot a trapping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire strengthen the weak hands
2: Excuse me, friend. Could you point me to a bell in this town? My wife hasn't had a drink in hours. At the other end of the square. Thank you, brother. Well, wait, wait, wait. Here. Oh. Uh, thank you for your kindness. How far have you come? From Galilee, Nazareth. Don't say that too loud here. You know, they say... Uh, Nothing good can come from I know what they say about Nazareth. Don't worry. I won't tell anyone. Secret safe with me. Uh, thank you for your kindness. Um, my name is Simon. Out of my way. Uh, we must go.
1: Strengthen the and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. A reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah.
2: This
0: way.
1: (laughs) Yes, well, next time I will wipe my hands with his robe. He would faint. (laughs) A Pharisee is so cheap. When he writes his will, he names himself as the heir. <laughs> <laughs> and then he still doesn't get no. much. <laughs> Finally, he's back. Uh, hello, uh. Simon. <coughs> Stay with the sheep. He is useless. Why do you keep him around? He's a good boy. Uh, Ah, you want some dinner? Finally. Aaron made dinner tonight, so nothing is cooked. Uh, Yes, (laughs) The food is fine. It's my grandmother's recipe, so leave it alone. Uh, Then that is why your grandfather left. (laughs) Again and again. They take whatever they want. Uh, I wish that woman wouldn't have left the well. Oh she was she was very, very beautiful. pretty, very pretty. Ooh. She was very beautiful. Can I have my dinner now. Not with us. No. Your plate is over there. I do what happened this morning. You sleep with the sheep tonight. And pay attention on this time. And watch out for wolves. Watch out for the Pharisee. He might come after you. A uh-huh. Roman took another sheep yesterday. Simon, they're talking about the Romans again. But they've cooked it right in front of me. You're, you're lucky. Been, you're lucky you're not part of this conversation. But Romans again and again. Let them pay good pay. Let's talk
2: about something else.
1: and shall call his name Emmanuel. We must tell someone. We must tell
2: everyone. Everyone. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've waited for this for so long. So long. He's on. He's on. He's on. He's on. Oh, it's okay. What will you name him? Jesus. We will name him Jesus. I must go. People must know. People must know. People must know. given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore.
1: You! I told you not to come back here. So where is it? Have you found a spotless lamb for sacrifice?
0: Powerful Christmas play for us, <clears throat> inspired by Luke 2. Not scripture, but inspired by scripture. Have you found the spotless Lamb? <clears throat> Today, as we celebrate communion together, I'm assuming because you're here that you have found Jesus. Not that he just came and was born, but that he died for our sins. And he rose again, showing power over death. The full good news that the angels declared in their song